The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You said what you're feeling is juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Happy first glimpses of springtime, my listener loves. We have been focused here lately on quietude and introspection and that stillness that the winter season asks of us. And that's where we've also been focused with the monthly online workshops that y'all asked for that are now now happening every month. And you can always find out about those, of course, at lisamccourt.com. And now we're moving into this season where insights and new understandings can be birthed from all that stillness and introspection as these little sprouts and buds of clarity are peeking up to reveal themselves. And along those lines, I want us to look today at a topic that we've discussed here quite a bit, but always in terms of how it's been folded into other things that we've discussed. It's the topic of shame. Those of you who have been in joy school with me know that overcoming shame to whatever degree it's lurking within us, because it lurks within all of us, either consciously or subconsciously to some degree, that's a tremendous part of the joy journey right there. Just loving ourselves better and better, no matter where we are with it right now, finding those footholds that let us just grow into ever bigger and better capacity for loving our own sweet selves, which means letting go bit by bit of the shame that we've all accrued along the way in these journeys. So today I've invited an expert on shame so that we can really dig around and get extra clear on this destructive force that's been such a a critical impact on on all of our journeys. Kelly A. Connor is the author of The Dulcinea Effect, a book about shame and how to heal it. She's an award-winning strategic counsel and executive career coach who's worked directly with clients from entry level to C-suite on four continents for more than 20 years. A love luminary, transformation agent and healer, she's taught numerous workshops in New York City and beyond focused on healing and overcoming inner obstacles to happiness, success, and love. She also worked for many years at worldwide PR agencies, supporting multi-million dollar clients in the US and Europe. She continues to inspire and support others 
Through her spiritually grounded writing and real world expertise in coaching, she lives near Philadelphia where she's focused on more writing and other creative projects. You can find her at kellyconnorbooks.com. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for inviting me to come onto your podcast. I'm very excited about this conversation about shame um and as you mentioned it's something that keeps coming up all the time now and you know i really think it's an important time to have this conversation so um thank you and um and i'm also very excited about talking about the book as well the dulcinea effect and um you know of course my goal with the book was to help as many people as i can because i do you know know personally and from the many people i've worked with to help destructive shame is you know and you really don't want people to get stuck there it's a it's a horrible horrible energy absolutely i almost think it's it's got such a a icky vibe to it that even though it's so important to talk about it's like we always just sort of like talk about it and and wrap it in other things and it, it deserves its whole own podcast episode right i mean that's the that's the whole root of everything that we work to heal at Joy School and through the work that I promote and, and teach with other experts like yourself. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to dig in. I, well, you know, one of you know one of the things that you know you're focused on elevating people toward joy, you know, and shame is an energy next to death, you know, and I talk about that in the book. And in order to elevate, there are levels of energies, you know, and since shame is so down deep down there it you know how can you get to joy if you can't deal with that and get out of that you know and and i think that we need to elevate people you know past that point because there are a lot of other levels above that you try you know even to get to love and then to get to joy so um i i think that this is a really important conversation for your listeners and um something that they can all really you know resonate with at a deep level all of us have at some point felt some kind of shame big or small and we know that feeling and it really doesn't serve anyone well especially if you stay there very long right. and and people really do they they end up there and keep propagating it and so i'm glad we're talking about this it's very exciting <laughs> yeah i think that for some people for for some saying that they have shame is um is uncomfortable because they think it means they did something wrong like i i don't have any any shame i have nothing to be ashamed of i haven't done anything you know so i think that that you know us just sort of repeating yeah we all got shame we all got shame will be very like relieving and normalizing for for people to understand that it's not always about what you've done you know it it, it can be about what was done to you it can be about misbeliefs you know misperceptions that you you brought into your heart and energy field when you were very young and didn't have the emotional maturity to know any better and and understand things any better. So uh, I think it's really important that everybody just sort of be okay with the shame that resides there. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. It's that shame is not, it's not like one section of things that are self-destructive behaviors that cause shame. As you mentioned, shame can come from all kinds of things you know and i think that and as you said sometimes shame is based on things that you've done or how you've responded to certain things in your life or certain things that come up in your life and then also there's shame based on how other people treat you 
or things that other people have done to you. And so the, the myriad of kinds of shame, are, you know, there, there are plenty, unfortunately, but there are. And I think that um, people don't want to talk about it, especially if, because the, the nature of shame is to make you feel bad. I mean, it does feel terrible. And it is that icky feeling, you know, and people like to try to shake it. So how they, how they decide to deal with shame is really important. You know, and as you said, many people don't want to talk about it because then they actually have to face the truth of something painful. You know, and I <laughs> and you know this, I'm sure too. People will run away <laughs> hard from pain, from doing the work, from dealing with the, the, the anything really painful, and you know, so trying to create—that's kind of what the Dulcinea effect is about—is that trying to create this specific sacred space in which you can deal with the truth and yet we deal with shame that way is by dealing with the truth and then kind of dissecting it and saying okay so how do we change these things you know but also accepting whatever caused the shame okay that happened now what you know and you know and it I personally whether it's with people that I know you know, professionally or personally, I don't like to see anyone stuck there in shame, you know, and I think like, let's try to elevate this up a little bit, you know, because then you can get on with your life because really it, it's sticky. Yeah. It's a very sticky energy. Because even that word truth is always subjective, right? People could hear that and say like, well, the truth is I'm a dickwad because I did X, Y, Z. That's the truth. I did it. So I suck. No, the, the truth is you did X, Y, Z. The I suck, that's the interpretation. That's what we layer over it. It's not necessarily part of the bones of the truth. Well, it, it, what goes along with shame is also a really strong sense of unworthiness. Oh, yeah. Okay, and that they're not, a yeah, person's not enough. And when you're, so when you're dealing with that part of it, it's that you, it, when you start to treat that person with respect, and remind them of their light and their love force and their worthiness as a human being. And, you know, in the way that I talk about a child of God, you know, you're worthy just simply by being, mm -hmm. you know, and you, and you re remind them what it feels like to be treated with respect. You know, then you can deal with the truth of, okay, what they did, but what else happened around you? And part of the impetus that pushed me to, you know, finish the book and publish the book was that I was watching a lot of shaming going on toward people suffering and shame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it was awful because what was happening is that it propagated self-destructive behaviors and self-sabotage. So it was like this vicious cycle was going on and on and on. So how to get the people that feel unworthy and feel, you know, feel some kind of remorse sometimes to what they had done, but also how to um, realize that people were kicking them, and and it it's not okay to kick someone. You can be annoyed because somebody did something, and that's that's natural. But if you stay in that anger, someone stays in anger and kicks that person over and over and over again. What happens is the person can't get up. And so 
that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't. Ha- if you're trying to actually compel someone to change their life, change their behaviors, kicking them when they're down is not going to do that. It's going to do the opposite. And I mean, that sounds like a simple concept, but it it then strangely is not happening enough. Yeah. People are doing the opposite. You know, and now we also live in a very kind of public forum, you know, where people, you know, people maybe share too much, but they're sharing everything. And I think that when somebody fails, it's like that people, it can kind of be publicized, you know, personally. And I think that's made it really harder for people because it's it's magnified the level of potential shame that and you know, they're already struggling with. So, so, you know, it, it, when you, and I wanted to get back to the point you made about truth, there's a lot of subjective energy to truth, but there's, and the, but I also like to say there's two sides to every story, you know, it's like, how can you have compassion for everyone involved, you know, and kind of stop the chaos mm-hmm. and then, and then deal with the shame, but also deal with the, the causes and effects you know, that may be multiplying about shame. You know, you see this a lot of times with people that have been sexually abused as a child. You know, what happens there is that it's something that happened when they were young, you know, and then it comes becomes unburied. You know, and then all hell breaks loose, basically. You know, as they remember, and it sort of attacks the, the entire, you know, consciousness, the subconscious, the, you know, the psyche. And, and then all of a sudden, people are like, what is going on? You know, and it's trying to get people to understand that there's a chaos within that you can't see, you know, and to, to how do you, how can you love someone or work with someone when they're going through this internal unseen struggle, you know, and, na- and that is the nature of shame. A lot of it is unseen, mm-hmm. but it's there, you know, and that I think is part of what I wanted to come out in the Dulcine Effect too, was that it, you can't see it. It's, it's people are bleeding and wounded a lot of times by all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, past, present, you know, adult, child, whatever, you know, wherever this shame comes from. So how do you see that person as bleeding? You know, but, it, you know, you can't, you just, you can't see it. But if you can see the sabotage, the self-sabotage and destruction, clearly something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, and so I think that that's an important thing to kind of point out to people. Like when, when you're watching something, really think about what am I seeing? Right. Like what's underneath what I'm seeing? Because it's not natural to self-sabotage yourself, to be self-destructive. It's like a form of insanity, right? You know, we talk about that. And so how do we stop that? Um, And as an outsider, if, if we're dealing with our own shame, you know, how do we also try to step out of it when we're in so much pain to ask for help? Mm. You know, because sometimes you really need that, whether it is from your loved ones, your family, or if you need some, you know, some expert help outside of yourself. So how do you do that in a way that helps you to, to stop the chaos, see what's going on, and kind of relate in a different way, you know, to the pain that you're having? It's awful. It's awful to watch people going through this. It's awful to go through it yourself. I have so much compassion for that because it is really painful. Mm, for sure. And it really does take someone with that higher consciousness 
perspective to, to be able to, to step in and hold you in that light. We call it the, the namaste lens in joy school. We, we try to uh, view everyone through that namaste lens. The light in me honors and recognizes the light in you. It reminds me of the, the parenting principle when a child is being the most unlovable is when they most need love. Right, that's like we just have to love them, love them through it, and and that's what heals. Beautiful. It does. I mean, and that's really isn't that our commitment? I mean, in what you do, what I do, what so many of us do is that we want. You know, we talk about wanting to be the change. We, you know, in the world, it's like, you know, but it, it's about healing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it always is. You know, some things. I mean some of the levels near shame are also grief mm-hmm. guilt guilt none of them feel great <laughs> you know what I mean and I mean shame is the worst though I mean it really can be deadly unfortunately and that's why you know when we hear of suicides and things like that there's a lot of shame going on in those places you know in the in a person being and it's you know it's how do we offer hope to that and try I mean that's why sometimes the elevating the energy is urgent Mm -hmm. around shame Mm -hmm. because we want to get them the heck away from that deadly death energy let's get people up it's not a joke it's very serious and you know i mean then there's other like you know shame that's not you know it might be shame because you gained 10 pounds you know what i mean that's a different kind of shame you know that's not dead it doesn't per se it's not as urgently deadly but a lot of them can be you know and um so that again, I think it's a really important thing to explore and heal. And I think bringing a consciousness to remind people to think about shame and 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 how we're dealing with it with others is really important. I mean that that would be a call to action. Yeah. Is it really like take a look at are you possibly shaming anybody right now? Mm. Like check yourself. Mm-hmm. you know like wait a minute am I kicking somebody when they're down like am I feeding this you know and I talk about some of the ways that that can, can arise in people you know whether it's labeling you know the yelling um, you know kind of shunning um, there's a lot of a little, little jolt of, uh, of elevating themselves right when there's somebody that you yes. can point to and, and yes. yeah and that's yeah. just part of part of human nature, part of that reptilian brain that we all carry around. Even those of us who really do the work to you know, separate oh, ourselves from that, we're, we've all got one. We've all got that reptilian brain still at work. This is just where we are. The evolution of humanity. So you know, becoming conscious yes. of it, bringing it up into the light, is how we we work with it to ever more skillful degrees. Exactly, exactly. But it's you know, it's funny because we all of us can step back into that energy like we have to catch ourselves you know and and and, you know but i think that if we if we the more we pay attention to it the more energy we can give to compassion yeah and again to that healing i think you know compassion is healing Mm, as well as truth you know if you deal with the truth in a certain way it changes things you know and i think that that's it, it it's how we perceive the truth that is important you know and that sounds like a little bit having come from a PR background you know it's like you know talk about perception versus reality but the truth is is that they can be one and the same so how do we create 
a perception that changes then the nature a person has with their reality. And I think that's really important. Mm. So, you know, and that's like a tricky nuance, but, um, you know, I, I've worked with different people where um, we did have to deal with the facts, but we also had to, uh, ch- there were things in the situation that where it, there was an opportunity to change the relationship the person had to those facts. And, you know, it's kind of like changing your story about something, you know, and also then bringing in other facts, you know, and, um, and, and then watching the person say, oh, and they start, to, they start to realize that they can take their power back again and start kind of climbing out of the abyss. So, and I've just watched it over and over and, you know, and the relief yeah. within the person when they start to kind of separate from that shame energy is, is it's kind of remarkable to watch. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> For sure. So valuable. That's that's the whole game changer right there, right? Where we're putting our attention, our energy, that's what we're feeding, that's what's going to grow. And we do get these stories ingrained and they just become these habitual loops. And it does require some deliberate expansion of the keyhole, we call it, because we're all just seeing reality through this little keyhole. And when you can expand it, when you can see that, okay, all these things that I've been subscribing to as true about myself or this person that I'm blaming, you know, th- there's a whole other bucket of truth over here that I haven't been able to see outside the keyhole. And just sort of bringing that all into view shifts the energy. And whatever we're energetically putting out is what we're going to energetically create as our next next life. So I love how you, um, you know, attached all of that to this topic of shame. It makes me think also of David Kessler's term capture, which is just recognizing that when somebody is out of alignment with the the love and joy and peace and compassion that we all truly are at our core, when somebody's out of alignment with that, they're they're in capture. They don't they can't see it. They can't break out of it. They're just sort of hijacked by those primitive thought patterns that that just you know defined our journey as human creatures. The the scarcity the uh, you know, I have to make you wrong for me to be right, and all of those those unworthiness stories that we tell ourselves. Well, I love the word hijacked. You know that idea of hijacked because you know, and that's why when you know when I when I talk about it, and when I work with people, you can't avoid the facts. You know, like the quote truths, but the facts, and but when you deal with those things, and you're able to then not make the person wrong it's like more of like being a forensic scientist you know you dig in and say okay what happened what did you do okay that didn't work you know and then what you do is you kind of but you you have to dig around it because a lot of times what happens is that blaming game happens that you mentioned and when someone's in pain so much and they're mired in shame they again they will do everything they can to avoid taking responsibility so if you allow them to just deal with it more of like i say forensically deal with the facts so it's like okay it's like we're just trying to figure this out this problem out and we're not going to make you wrong we're just going to figure it out and then see what can we shift that that ends up being and and also focusing on the person their potential you know, they're light, like, what do you want to make happen? Okay, what are the things you have done right that worked? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what are the great talents that you have and the skills? 
where have you been? You know, hell, have you done good in this world? They, because what happens is they start to have this tunnel vision. You know, so you start reminding them of all those other facts and truths. And that it, to, it goes back to your point about expansion. You know, it's getting them out of this place where they've been hijacked, you know, and, and taking them to a new place. And then watching that energy open up. And, you know, I, I think that also, too, being able to take the power back to say, what do you decide, decide you're going to believe right now about yourself? Like, what do you want that goal to be? You know, and, you know, part of the uh, the reason the book is called The Dulcinea Effect was Cervantes wrote Don Quixote, okay, in 1605, he published it, and he basically, you know, there, it's, it's about, it refers to the relationship he had with Aldanza, who was a prostitute, and he was on his quest this night, you know, and he goes off and meets her and he basically refuses to see her as a prostitute. He sees her as this majestic lady, you know, my lady. And so he sees everything that she could be as far as, um, you know, a different, different light, different love energy, different light. And she begins to start to believe him because he just refuses to see anything but her light and her love force. And so it's a, that remarkable change when someone focuses on something different. Mm. And it doesn't mean that he didn't see what was going on. It just meant that he decided to see the potential, you know, this other way of being, and that changed everything for her. You know, and it's the same idea with, with, you know, dealing with shame. It's like, how can we take that energy and we can see something else? see you know something that's possible and also see something that's an elevated sense of that person's self that people need to be reminded of their light because their life force when you're in shame your life force flame gets very small mm -hmm. you know it's like and like you we don't want that to go out because like i said that's so close to that death energy and then you know really bad things happen so it's like how do we keep we gotta we've got to fan the flame and you know and i and i've also you know watching people that have been close to me too the same thing it's like you don't want them to get stuck there either it's like how can you keep reminding them they're more than just what they did wrong right and when we okay. can do that for others we can do it for ourselves right all that judgy yes. judginess that we put on everybody else is just a reflection of how hard we're judging our own selves and, and it really, it's equally important to be able to offer it to others and to be able to offer it to ourselves. Beautiful. Very, you know what? That And that brings back another point is that, you know, they talk about projection. You know, you're pointing with the, the, the thumb up and the right. pointer finger and the other three fingers pointing back at you, you know, yeah. like you're shooting somebody. And it's that idea too, you're right. It's that, and that's why I don't, you know, I don't like the energy of shame and I don't like to be a shamer. And it's like, you, you need, you can speak the truth without being shaming, you know, right. and how do we move into that energy too? It's like, okay, if you, you have an opinion or you want to say something or you want to fight for something you believe in. It's like, well, how can you do that? But don't fall back into a shaming pattern. Right. You know, you can do it by speaking your truth and, you know, being, you know, still being you know like caring about it and be passionate but but don't go there you know what I mean? because that takes it in a different place that's counterproductive you know and then you're kind of going down into that lower level of energy and i really do believe that the love energy and the joy energy 
which is kind of like an energy above love. It's like this is where we really make things happen. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's why you do what you do. Yes. I mean, that's that's why do joy is so important. You know, it's people don't. I mean, I love the idea of your podcast because it's that idea of do joy. It's like not enough people get that either. So it's like conversely okay i want people to get up out of shame but that's why because i want them to be able to experience joy yeah i mean and it's not like go find joy or seek joy just do it do it yourself that's how you create it you don't have to go you know chasing it or or trying to to find it oh it's it it, i think that's amazing I, i mean i love that energy personally i think you know i mean where where do we find joy so but um but you know but again the nature of shame is is something that i think right now it's funny when i started to write the book it was about five years ago and things were you know kind of they've evolved a lot and changed a lot in the world right with all the different things that have happened over the past years and it's like now we're in a place it's like it seems even more relevant to me mm-hmm. you know um because just because there's so much going on but um but the feedback has been really good that it is the time to talk about this a little bit more and how do we have positive conversations about it, you know? And I think that um, no one is immune to it. You know what I mean? No. I mean, no one. So I think that's good. I mean, and what? so tell me more about what you're hearing about shame. I know that you said that it's played a part in what you've, you know, experience, and I thought maybe it would be a good time to kind of touch on something that that maybe you've already shared with your listeners, but maybe we can share again oh, together. Oh, sure. Yeah, I my my shame story goes way back, and um, I don't know that I ever have actually gotten into it with my listeners. I I have a thing oh. about um, you know victim stories, and this I won't frame it as a victim story because I learned from it, I grew from it. It's completely shaped who I am, so I'm I'm actually grateful for every drop, which sounds weird, but it's true. But uh, yeah, I was the illegitimate child of a teenage mom who was raised in a Southern Baptist family, where her mother, my grandmother who passed last year, who I adored very very much, was so shamed by having a pregnant teen daughter that she was forced out of the church where she taught Sunday school for years and years. And she admitted to me much later in life that she came close to taking her own life because of the shame that she felt around her daughter's pregnancy. And the only thing that stopped her was knowing that it would bring even more shame on the family. True story. And so that was the energy I experienced in the womb and upon my arrival here that my existence had created this devastating downfall for my, my family. And I've learned that all of that energy is absorbed, even in utero and infancy. I didn't always know that, but I've learned that's the case. And then it was just compounded from there. I've never known anything about my biological father. My mom was too shamed to ever speak of that, took that vow to her grave. My subsequent father stand-ins both added quite a bit to my sense of unlovability. One by leaving when I was still a baby, which of course the child internalizes that as being her own fault. One by just not having the emotional maturity to be able to show love to a child he didn't conceive. And the worst part about that one is that I was always told that he was my biological father. The family thought they were protecting me from the the truth of the horrible, you know, truth of my conception by perpetuating that lie. So I never understood his indifference and abuse on occasion. 
And then when he left, when I was 12, only my younger brother and sister went to see him on the weekends. And I didn't know why. My mom told me he didn't deserve to see me because he didn't pay any child support for me. And again, I didn't understand why that would be the case. Right? So like that just contributed to the shame that I felt around dad not loving me. Other kids' dads seemed to love them. And the only conclusion a child could come to is that I am not lovable. Not lovable enough to deserve love from my own father. And that, of course, set me up for just a, a lifetime of ridiculous people-pleasing tendencies, being a beggar for love, especially from men. I created partnerships that reflected that belief of unlovability and unworthiness and some situations in my early adulthood that reflected that belief. And it's taken decades of dedicated healing practice to recover from, from that shame conditioning. But it's doable, right? I've done it. You've done it. People can do it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and wow, uh, that is that was very painful for yeah. the, the child that you were to go through. I mean, that's the reality. You know, and you know there, you know there's all there are some people that will hear a story like that and be, well, it was the past. You were a kid. You know, it was what it was. And I've gone through the same thing. You know, no, that couldn't have happened. You know, it didn't happen. What you know, but it's like you know, you know. And then when you know, you know, you can't not know. And I think even you know that's a shame that you carried and obviously you didn't understand just like I didn't understand the stuff that happened to me when I was a child and the way that we relate to all of that is with a child's mind and we always think it's our fault you know so we carry that so there are the unseen wounds that I'm talking about and we have no we're looking to adults to kind of give us context and to give us understanding and the truth about things but if we don't those conversations are not had you know the avoidance happens you know and so that we don't know what's going on and of course we're too young to really understand if we did you know so instead all we feel is the, the neglect of something that we need you know or the abuse I mean just not knowing could have been in a way a sense of abuse for you you know because you you're like why are my siblings going but I'm not going I mean and not understanding that so I mean that's a pain that you carried. And I used to lie about it to my friends. I wanted everybody I used to make up stories about, oh, my dad, you know, brought me a present from his trips or, he, you know, I would make stuff up because I didn't want anybody to know that my dad didn't love me because that means I'm so terrible, you know, so it was definitely an internalized shame. Wow. I mean, but you're right. It's a category comedy, right? And then, as you said, if you move into adulthood, that doesn't go away the unseen wounds keep going so then it manifests in adult ways right and as you mentioned you know several examples of that and those end up being they they end up being self-destructive and cause more pain so and i mean it was the same thing with me you know i didn't realize i didn't remember some of the specific abuse that i had suffered until i was in my 30s mm. i mean literally <laughs> and it was like holy hell opening up the doors and you're just like what the heck so um you know, and I, I think that for, you know, for that reason, I also like I, I, I've noticed, too, that a lot of things that happened in childhood, the, the shame that we carry, ended up, it ends up affecting us in a myriad of ways as adults, you know, and it's funny that, that I'm coaching people that are executives to so be very successful, and you would be 
may be surprised, but I'm sure you're not because you've talked to a lot of them, but they're carrying that stuff, you know, well into their adulthood for years, as you said, in decades. And what, what we'll end up finding out when we boil things down to those, you know, kind of lowest common denominators is the reason they're not giving themselves the chance to go after something or do something is because of the shame that they experienced and the abuse or the trauma of something that happened in their childhood, you know, and if, if those things don't go away, they fester, you know, so again, it's like, how do we, how do we deal with shame? You know, it's like, if you, if you have those things within your past, especially in childhood, doing shame work is really important you know working with someone that is compassionate you know but that is also solutions oriented you know that actually wants to we're not going to talk about the victim story forever and ever and ever but let's at least get the facts so then okay there they are what are we going to do about them you know and it's like again it's like that's kind of like my pr site is where i'm saying problem solution you know Mm -hmm. and what are we going to do but but getting back to your point about, you know, like, you know, carrying that shame, like hearing you talk about it, it's that we do try to compensate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a survival you know, like you said, instinct, telling, right? The it, people exactly. pleasing and, yeah. Well, that makes sense because if, you, if you're, you know, if you're kind of like, if you're, if you're carrying shame around and you're like right up there against that death energy, it is a fight or flight situation. You know, a lot of times you, you, you'll fight, so there's a lot of anger, and you might get stuck there, or you want to, you know, you want to run away from it and escape, okay? And which, both of those choices are probably better than succumbing, obviously, to the, to the darkness. But they, but how you fight, you know, and, and deal with it, it's like you really need to fight for yourself, mm. you know? And then when I see, it's like also, too, it's, you know, when you see people that you can help, even if it's simply by a kind word or pointing out something great that they did, you really don't know if that person is carrying shame and like that, how that is going to affect that person, that little kindness, you know, those, those things matter to people, especially people that are admired in shame because they have a really hard time accepting love, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like real love. You know, actual love, not intimacy or, you know, that kind of outlet, but actual love where it's literally you're in, you're in protect and respect for everyone involved, for the other, right? And so people receive, they'll receive love that reinforces the shame because they're still caught in a self-destructive pathway. Mm-hmm. But then you have people that can stand and be loved. Like one of the things I've noticed with people that have suffered in a lot of shame is that notice how people respond to being hugged. Yeah. Okay. They People that are mired in shame and unworthiness cringe when somebody hugs them. Yeah. They can't wait for it to be over soon enough. Like they just can't accept it. You know, and that's one of the most healing things you could do to a person is just with no agenda whatsoever is hug that person. Mm-hmm. And just, and it's, and the, the hug is it. Like the hug is the only thing that this moment is about. Mm-hmm. 
and let that person receive it. And I'm telling you, they cringe. They want to run screaming. You know, um, I know someone that who was having a very hard time shame and being shamed by the people around them and had, and it was a birthday came up and everybody decided in the family to try to be really positive and to be, you know, loving and make a big deal of this person. Well, so the, so the night comes together, they all get together and the person was literally could not stand it. Like really just basically did some things to kind of make things end quickly it was not a good scene i know, <laughs> you know exactly what you're talking about you know yeah. what i'm talking about it was like you know and it was things things just went downhill from there and the person was like basically kind of demolished this wonderful party for the person and because the, that person could not at that time had not done the work or been away from the kicking long enough to kind of receive love again and so literally had to sabotage all this love yes. coming at the person and it was like you know you know everyone's wondering what happened but it, that was why the person was caught in the cycle of kicking themselves having others kick them was mired in shame and was convinced at that point that the, that they were completely unworthy of love. I have a joy school group that meets weekly and we are all just, we've trained each other up as these wonderful lovers. We just all are so warm and, and welcoming. And sometimes when a new member comes into this group, it's really uncomfortable for them to receive that. They think it's bullshit. They think we're a cult. It's, it's hysterical. It doesn't take long because we're good at it. It doesn't take long to get them comfortable and then they become on the love team, you know, but but I've seen that again and again and my joy schoolers who will listen to this will laugh because they'll totally recognize what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a real thing, you yeah. know, and then you think about taking that person to putting that same kind of situation where they're working with people that are very positive in a bit in a business situation like at work and it's a, I, I mean I, I worked with this one woman who had suffered absolutely awful abuse as a child like terrible terrible things and I mean I would cry sometimes after sessions because it was just awful but in she but she knew she wanted help. But she was, and it was strange because she had created this dynamic where the boss was the power person in the relationship, and yet the boss was very professional, a little tough. But, but to her, that was natural. And mm -hmm. so then when we tried to change her story about all of it and move her, she literally could not accept the help because she was so addicted to where she was in her head, but also she'd already given all the power to, the, like, to this boss. So it was, it, it, it was excruciating for this person to ask for help. But, you know, eventually she did come back around and she was able to kind of move that, the needle a little bit, but it was very hard for that person. You know, so when a person is ready for help, that's the time. If you feel open, that you think you can talk about it, you know, the sooner the better. You know, and there are people out there that are very safe to talk to. Like you said, you have this, you, you have the joy club. This, you know, there, there are people like me out there. They're, but find somebody. Yeah. I mean, you can see no matter who that it light. is. Yes, find a safe space. 
somebody that that knows this pro, you know the process of trying to move you away from that chain you know and because you're worth it 100%. every one of you every one of us we're worth it you know and it's a terrible place to be you know not wanting to have something more wanting to find love and peace and that you're stuck somewhere else it, it's heartbreaking to see for but, sure but we know that it can be changed no one has to be stuck there you know and it is great to watch people when they can finally receive those hugs receive that love feel good about themselves again kind of get their you know their their sassy selves back again yeah <laughs> you know turning and point. yeah i mean and that's like the greatest thing i love that you know and then to watch people achieve their dreams yeah you know go for it you know and that i mean that was another reason that i wrote the book is i always wanted to be a published author you know, and it was like, so my dream mattered too. And it's like, but I got to tell you, somebody interviewed me recently and they asked me, what was the thing that had kept you back from putting the book out? And I said, my own shame. Yeah, that was, vulnerability. That, yeah. That's exactly what it was. I was like, oh my God, am I going to do this? You know, am I really going to actually do this? And like, how much to share? Like, you know, how much you really need to? Because I don't want to be stuck in that story anymore. But it's like, you need to be authentic. And so, you know, eventually I was like, here we go. I'm doing it. You know why? Because it has to be said. And I think people need need help. And it's so healing. It's so healing to, to let that vulnerable self be out there and, and receive the love for the, the book. I mean, I'm sure you've received so much gratitude and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to use I'm going to use some of your tidbits. I don't think I mentioned to you that my other hat that I wear is I'm president of my PFLAG chapter, which is a LGBTQ support organization, which primarily today is about supporting families with a, a trans loved one. And I mean, talk about just the shame that these these beautiful, perfect trans people, usually young people, have already absorbed so much shame just from the culture that they, they've grown up in, that their families haven't even had a chance yet to either contribute to or help that situation. And so often, initially, it's like that additional piled on shaming that you're talking about from the families. And, you know, these kids, a lot of them statistically are close to that death point with the shame that they've just already accumulated just by being different in a society that doesn't, doesn't, it's not kind toward different. So, so this yeah. is, um, you know, so valuable just to have this exploration. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing it. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Yeah, I, I think that, and that I think that's a point too. Is that you know, is that the getting back to that is that so much is in our culture. There's peer pressure, you know. There's public pressure, you know. Whether it's you know on social media, you know, it's like the Instagram that everybody, you know, all especially with the young people, they all want to, you know, be out there and look a certain way, and they're they're so visible, you know. And I, I all of us, I think, feel that way. But I I think. You know, now that I'm older, I'm kind of glad that I don't have to worry about that so much. But um, 
but I watch, you know, I have a 22-year-old son, and he's an actor, you know what I mean? And he's, like, definitely got his own way of doing things, and he's kind of the opposite. He's like, Mom, I'm not going to put a lot on there, you know, put it out there, but I'm like, and it's funny, because I'm like, you know, with my PR background, I'm like, well, you need to be out there and be seen, but it's like, you know, he's he just is solid, he's going to do it how he's going to do it, you know? And it, but it's funny that, like, he... I raised him in a lot of ways like, to repudiate shame. But I'll tell you what, he still has had his his own stuff too. You know, like things where he wished he had done this or that better. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I hear him, hear that from him, that was like kind of like, wow, you're kind of your own man doing your own thing, and yet you even have experienced it. And he's, you know, he's pretty confident. So it's, it's everywhere in mm-hmm. everyone. And... And frankly, I'm committed to changing it. You know, I'm committed to at least making people aware of it, you know, and because it's cool. Shaming people is cool, you know, and it's cool in some ways to shame ourselves, even though that's kind of what we've learned. You know, mm-hmm. we, that's kind of what we've learned with a lot of the modalities we were taught as kids is that it kind of just somehow it, it got into that. Like, I don't. Like getting to the fact of sin, you know, I de- I define sin as that which is not loving, mm. and that's just that's to me that seems the most honest thing because when you say the word sin and words matter, right? So when you say the word sin, a lot of times people it's immediately negative. So if you right. say it's it's that which is not loving, it's like it. That to me, by defining it that way, allows us the power of choosing something that is loving. Mm-hmm. And I think that that not using the word sin and instead moving towards talking, speaking a different way about those things, I think changes how some will be prone to shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it, one of the things I did want to make sure that I mentioned is that right now, there, um, it's a, a, one of my. Uh, somebody I know professionally and that I coach professionally that's pretty high up in her company and she just they just had to lay off thousands of people and so there's also a lot of shame in the marketplace right now around people losing their jobs and it was it was really important you know to put it out there that it's not your fault sometimes it's just a business decision but people were feeling so much shame around losing their livelihood and not being sure what to do next you know, and then and and they just happen to be in a sector where everybody at many many companies has been laying people off. So they're all trying to get the same jobs that are out there, and and they're you know they're having a hard time with the shame of it, like telling people that they got laid off. Um, you know, so that's also another pocket of of consciousness out there. All these people that lost a job. You know, and that ends up weaving into the kind like how much shame can the planet handle? Mm. Think about it. How many that's just one layer of job shame. But then we have all the other layers of shame about all the other different things, whether it's addictions, you know, or it's it's you know, destructive behaviors, you know, whether it's body shame, you know, religious shame, whatever it happens to be, there's a there's a large vein of consciousness out there that's stuck in shame and so I think that I think it's really pertinent right now because I think that that um, 
you know, we have an, an opportunity to change where we're going with this. You know, there's a lot of divide on all sides politically. There's a lot of divides racially. There's a lot of divides with, you know, with diversity. There's a lot of divides sexually. There's a lot of divides, you know, between men and women. It's like we really, really can heal shame by trying to bring that compassion unification. You know, so I don't want to say, like, let our shame kind of bring us together, but I do really think that if we kind of, if we focus on shame instead of those things that divide us, and we just focus on elevating the energies, getting people, like, getting people jobs. You know, I loved helping people get jobs because it pulled them up and they felt worthy and they felt, you know, confident. And, you know, and it, it helped them to meet their needs, that kind of thing. But if we can focus on those things and, like, ask ourselves where, where we're caught up in a div- divisive nature of things instead of more of an elevated nature of things, I think that's where a lot of us could really bond together and create something amazing energetically. You know, as far as consciousness goes, because there are many levels of consciousness, low levels, high levels, middle levels, you know, so how do we focus on something specifically that's not per se looking at one side or the other? It's just, let's pull it up, you know? Yeah, I love that. And that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I really am trying to do that and to be a reflection of that. Let's because make that think, into a home play for everyone. So you tweak, yeah. you, you tweak me if, if this needs tweaking, but I feel like y'all are used to going into that inner dialogue with your wise inner knowing, maybe just taking all of this into account, what Kelly has shared with us today. Just spend some time reflecting, ask your wise inner knowing, where is shame in my life right now that's pulling down my vibration? And an easy way to spot it is where am I pointing my finger and judging others and being critical of others and, and kind of pointing that, um, that accusation around. That's usually where we're judging ourselves. But it could be other things. It could be where you've been shamed in your life. But just really take some time this week, these coming weeks, to look at where is shame in my life that's pulling down my vibration and how could I bring more consciousness to that so that I can I can use this understanding to elevate my vibe in that area. Do you want to tweak that's that? That's perfect. Kelly? Okay. No, I think that's really perfect. I think... Um, I think if you just ask that question, you know, and it, as you said, like maybe, you know, do it, do it on a day. It's, it's awareness, you know, mm-hmm. bringing in awareness to how you're operating. And as you said, it, notice where you're being critical of yourself or others. I think if you start there and then you ask where the, where the shame is in there, I think that you can immediately change it. You can step back. And what happens is then, with everything, we can develop habitual patterns of change by bringing awareness around certain things. You know, we don't have to change everything about ourselves today. But if we can change one thing in the next month, then great. If we change the way of reacting or responding to something, of not doing a certain thing, and then elevate it, I think that that can become a new habit. And then what happens is other people will watch that. They will say, I see what you did there. That was good. Like, how can we be Don Quixote? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we be 
you know, it's like, how can we be Dulcinea? Like, I like to end, you know, a lot of times when I, every chapter I think is I end Dulcinea, because it's the idea, it's like, here we go, we're, we're, you know, we're elevating the energy, we're changing things, and it, to me, that word Dulcinea just feels so loving, mm. that I love it, you know, and, and other people get it, I'm like, oh, and you know what, the other thing too is that when you see someone else doing it, point it out tell the other it's like i say to my friends they laugh at me but i say tell the others tell the others <laughs> <laughs> if you see people being that dulcinea effect tell the others yeah. you know and then and then because then people start to see other ways of doing it other examples of how to be that and you know and then they'll start you know it's like let's create a little wave of ah dulcinea and i see that right there that's what's happening right there and it's great you know and we we do i mean those feel good things that we see a lot of times that's what's happening. It's like somebody's just, that's Dulcinea. There's that energy. And we ripple out <laughs> that energy for its own sake because it feels good to know that we're being that rippling force. But also we always say energy's a boomerang, y'all. Any kind of energy you're sending out there is energy that you're going to bring back upon yourself. So so why send out those, uh, those icky vibes? Because they're just going to come back at you. <laughs> I love, and I love that. We can all use that. Yeah. We all need more of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Kelly, tell awesome. the listeners where they can find you and your book. Tell us your website. Uh, definitely. It's um, at my website, www.kellyconnorbooks.com. And I also, you can find me on LinkedIn. I tell everybody, just connect with me on LinkedIn. And that's a way to directly message me. Um, and of course, then the Dulcinea Effect, a book about shame and how to heal it, is available on Amazon all around the world, as well as online at Amazon, as well as Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Scribd, and other places. Thank okay, you easy so to find. Much. So, I appreciate your time today. This has been a really rich Thank exploration. You. I know it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Gotten a lot out of it. So, listener loves, I will be back with you in two weeks. Go easy on yourselves. Find that shame, but don't judge your judgy old selves for judging yourselves don't judge yourself over it just find it and, and use it to expand and elevate your vibration love you much joy comes in many flavors but they all start with you being full on glorious you if you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey find me at lisamccourt.com and as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. Much love.
given me juicy joy, 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 juicy joy. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.